Greetings and salutations. You're listening to This Ends at Prom, a podcast where I, teen movie apologist BJ Colangelo, show my wife, Harmony Colangelo, a seminal teen girl movie that I missed out on because I grew up as a teen boy. Is today's movie truly emblematic of womanhood? Or of rose-colored nostalgia glasses warped your perspective? Circle yes, no, or maybe to find out if we're crowning a queen? Or if we're killing the teen dream. Welcome to This Ends at Prom. This Ends at Prom is a Pod People production. I don't wanna be your merch girl. I wanna be your goddamn idol. And I don't wanna have to work twice as hard for the same motherfucking title. But I. Welcome back, prom party. Welcome back to the first episode we've recorded since news. Since Roe v. Wade was overturned, and do we have some feelings. Yeah, well, I'm glad we have an opening on the schedule to appropriately slide a movie like this in there. Yeah, absolutely. So, friends, just to get things off at the the top of uh, the everything... We are talking about the film Unpregnant today. It came out in 2020. It is a wonderful film. There was a multitude of films that we could have put in this slot in terms of the the growing cinematic trend of abortion road trip movies or Dirty Dancing or just a number of things, but... I think we're doing Dirty Dancing later this year. <laughs> yeah, I think it's an anniversary year for that movie. Yeah. Um, but we decided specifically to do Unpregnant because Unpregnant is a movie about two teen girls on a road trip so that one of them can secure an abortion. But it is a very nice balance of both the seriousness of how fucked up it is that this is a thing that has to happen, but there's a lot of really wonderful, like, lighthearted moments, either because it's just ridiculously hilarious or it's genuinely sweet, kind of scattered in. And that is why we chose this title. It feels fun like any road trip movie should. Yes, it has a lot of that fun energy of a road trip movie, and it it definitely has the moments where you're like, God, what a fucking bummer, because, you know, abortion access is dwindling in mm-hmm. this country. Um, but that is that is why this was chosen. So if anybody is like, well, why didn't you do, you know, Never Rarely, Sometimes Always, or, I don't know, Grandma, or any number of these other movies, it's because this topic is so fucking serious And it is important that we talk about it seriously, but I also don't want to bum everyone out because the world is doing that for us. That's fine. We will attempt to have a healthy mix of these two themes as the movie calls for. Also, you tend to bring the serious and I'm slappy fun time. Yeah. So uh, (laughs) it's fine. This this will work for us. We'll make it work. Yeah. So for those who haven't seen it, here is what Unpregnant is all about. A 17-year-old Missouri teen named Veronica discovers that she has gotten pregnant, a development that threatens to end her dreams of matriculating at an Ivy League college and a career that will follow. 
I think that is a very like simplistic way of describing what this movie is about. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the most part, that's it. A 17 year old finds out that she's pregnant. Um, She needs to get from Missouri to New Mexico. And the only person that she knows that she can go with that has a car and that will be able to be discreet about this and it's not going to impact her immediate social circles is her former childhood best friend, Bailey. And they've had like a falling out in years. And for one reason or another, because, you know, there's, as Jennifer's body says, that there's nothing quite like that sandbox love, uh, Bailey decides, yes, I will take you on this journey and we will go. And it's all about the hijinks they encounter along the way of a 17-year-old just needing to get an abortion. Mm -hmm. And Bailey happened to be the one who found the pregnancy test on the ground in the bathroom after Veronica scrambled and dropped it. Yes. And so... (laughs) That's how we ended up where we are. That's how these two re-entered each other's lives. Yes, it was a purely random happenstance, but one that ended up being quite possibly the best thing for the both of them, mm-hmm. which I think is is quite lovely. Um, so, Harmony, did you even know that this movie existed before I showed it to you? No. Cool. I'm glad that that's your answer because this is a, a movie that was an original for HBO Max, so that's the only place that you can see it. And it was very frustrating because it dropped in 2020 mm. when a lot of movies just kind of got dumped onto streaming because of the pandemic. And mm-hmm. it really didn't have a lot of celebration. There wasn't a lot of marketing, despite the fact that Barbie Feria and Haley Lou Richardson are the leads, both of which are fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Barbie plays Cat in Euphoria. Haley has been in like Edge of 17 and a ton of other great movies. She's about to be in the second season of The White Lotus, if you like to watch that kind of chaos magic, which I sure do. Um, so these are two very big stars for for their demographic, and a lot of people just haven't seen this movie. And it's a bummer that they haven't, because it's fantastic. Well, probably because it's on HBO Max, and you have to like particular good blockbuster and niche stuff to have that streaming service, which everyone complains is bad. I think it's fine. It's fine. Sometimes the interface is a little annoying, but it's fine. I don't know. I think it's the best ones that you pay for because Tubi is the real MVP. (laughs) That's very true. So that might be one reason people didn't see. If this was on Netflix, it probably would have done better. More than likely. I would would agree with that. Yeah. Um, All right. So before we dive in a little bit deeper, let's go over and hear from our morning announcements. Welcome to the morning announcements. As a reminder, you can support the show on Patreon, patreon.com backslash this ends at prom. Over at our Patreon, we offer things like our schedule ahead of time, wonderful playlists curated by Harmony, our Sadie Hawkins dance episodes focusing on teen boy movies, and we are currently going through our TV homecoming series through Pen15. We offer a free bonus episode every month for our subscribers at only $1. If now is not the right time to support financially, we totally understand. All we ask is that if you love the show, you send us to a friend, you give us a five-star review wherever it is you get your podcasts, and you tag us on social media, hashtag thisendsatprom or at thisendsatprom. Alrighty, so let's start breaking down these characters here. So, Harmony, let's start with Veronica. How do you feel about this character? If you stuck a lump of coal (laughs) up her butt, she would make a diamond. (laughs) 
Yeah, she does have a little bit of Cameron energy. That is for sure. We're referring to Ferris Bueller's Day Off, for those of you who didn't know that reference. Um, she's very much got that. She is very type A. Oh, she is the typest A-est of them all. <laughs> um, you can tell she she really wants to go to an Ivy League school. She's maintained very good grade point average. She's valedictorian of the school. Uh-huh. She's very pretty. She's, you know, blonde and very cute. She has a circle of friends that are kind of like that shallow group of friends that you see in every movie, but they don't... They're mean girls. They're mean girls, but they don't seem to... They're mean girls, but they're not malicious girls, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. They're more uh, just general garden variety high school petty? Yes, absolutely. Like, they're not evil. (laughs) Uh, They just like to gossip. Yes. And talk shit. Yes. And possibly ruin people's lives, but only unpopular people. Right. So, you know, she's kind of caught in this world of doing what is expected doing what she thinks she needs to do to follow her dreams, which is to go to an Ivy League school. She she's, wants to live up to the archetype of Bo Burnham's white woman Instagram. 100%. Like, that's her life. Yes. And, Hashtag uh, inspiring. And she has a, a boyfriend named Kevin. 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 Kevin, no. Kevin, watch the lights, dude. Kevin. Um, Kevin yeah. sucks. Kevin sucks. Fucking hate. Kevin, you think he's like a himbo and kind of like a laughable goof and adult? No, Kevin fucking sucks. And I think that's really important, too, is because when you first meet Kevin, you're like, oh, he's like a golden retriever boy. Okay. And then you slowly realize, oh, no, Kevin is dumb as rocks. Yeah. And he is a piece of shit. Kevin's favorite movie star is Vin Diesel. And, you know, that's a specific kind of man. But the thing is, (laughs) he doesn't get much deeper than that. He's just big, dumb. Like, his favorite movie is probably The Return of Xander Cade, Triple X. Yep, probably. And, like, so what we find out is how Veronica got pregnant, because she was, you know, devastated, obviously. Um, She's like, we always use protection, and we always do this. I don't understand what happened here. And we find out that during one of her sexual escapades with Kevin, the condom broke, and he didn't tell her because he was afraid that it would make her stressed out for her valedictorian. So he just thought to not tell her. I looked it up, like... Do you know how hard it is to get pregnant? Uh-huh. 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 So, you know, all of the things that she could have done to prevent this, like get plan B or whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, he took that option away from her because he didn't tell her. Because he's an asshole. Because he's an asshole. Here, here's the thing. This is totally a type of guy. I have a cousin who I'm maybe like 13 years old and I had not even consider the concept of a condom and he's like yeah like you fuck a bitch sometime and i tell you what if that condom breaks you don't want to pull out it just feels too goddamn cool because he's being a hot shot ew <laughs> like he's like 17 18 years old and he's talking about this shit like he knows it's the coolest thing ever and he's just like yeah oh my god feels so good when the condom breaks and he's bragging about it like ew. some men just suck like that kevin sucks yeah kevin sucks in a lot of ways he also uh is a low-key not low-key high-key he's a high-key stalker eventually we, we don't know that at first we no, find we, out about we it. do find out about it yes. and he shows it because at one point veronica's talking about it like oh this thing happened he like came to my house every day gave me flowers and oh, yeah. bailey's like that's stalking oh yeah he harassed me outside my window until i said yes which is <sighs> fucking real like <laughs> Say anything is just a movie, my dudes. Correct. But like, this is the story of, you know, suburban white people who hear stories from granddad who's like, I just harassed your grandmother a hundred times until she finally said yes. And look, we've been married for 50 years. Yes. And like, that's just the thing you think you're supposed to do. Mm -hmm. So 
Kevin's a fucking idiot because he probably heard a thing that you're supposed to do and he took it to heart. Yeah, a little too seriously. Yes. And because Veronica is the type of person where she wants to maintain this like false sense of status quo that she thinks she's supposed to do, mm-hmm. she doesn't want to break up with him and she makes a lot of concessions for him and is like, you know, he's actually really sweet. Like, eh, he's fine. And Bailey's like, he's a stalker and dump he's him. dumb. Like, dump him. He sucks. And she's like, dump him. Eh, but and it, we, I think we all had that friend in high school. I think who we've had, all been that person, who's, or we've been that person. We've been that person who has made so many excuses for a shitty person we're dating. Because like I already put in all this work, like right, like, yeah, I bought a shitty car and I, I replaced the muffler and the exhaust and the transmission, and like sooner or later the whole car is going to be replaced. And if I bail on it now, all the money I put it into is a waste. Oh, I can't break up with him because like, well, his birthday is next week, and then after that it's Mother's Day, and like I don't want to make his mom sad because oh, she's such a nice lady. Absolutely done that. I tried to break up with someone in November and ended up doing it in like mid January so that it wouldn't intersect with Valentine's Day. The amount of people they went like three extra months. The amount of people I know who have stayed in relationships because they didn't want to ruin like the just slam fuck holiday nonsense of Thanksgiving. Christmas, New Year's, Valentine's Day, mm-hmm. way more than it possibly should. Yeah. Friends, dates are arbitrary. Fuck them, dump them. Yeah, <laughs> I. Just, I don't know. Like, I did that shit when I was, like, 15. I know people who do it as adults. Yeah, so that's that's different. (laughs) So I at least understand that concept of, like, I should have broke up with you a lot sooner and then didn't because it just felt wrong. Like, I, you got me a Christmas present. I got you one. Yeah. I don't even like Invader Zim that much, but that's what you got me. (laughs) We clearly don't get along that well, but (laughs) fine. Just dump them. I did. Good. (laughs) And there was a lot of tears and I felt bad because I'd never dumped someone before. So yes, dump Kevin. Yes, dump Kevin, which thank God she does. It takes her a whole movie to figure out that she needs to dump like, him. He has to go to an extreme place for her to finally dump him. Yes. But Actually, no. She sort of dumps him and then he just continues. Like, yeah. does, does she dump him at the pawn shop? No, or she just tell him to go away? I think she tells him to go away. Okay. And then she dumps him at the actual abortion clinic because that motherfucker also travels cross country um, be- I, to, to stop her. See, maybe it's just me, but Kevin needs to be have it spelled out. I feel like he got dumped at the pawn shop. It just wasn't put in those words. Right. But Kevin's dense. So what we also discover, too, when he does show up at the abortion clinic is he's like, no, you having this baby, like, he he essentially admits, like, it keeps you tethered to me because he knows you she's going to... can't gonna, leave me. She's going to go off and be an Ivy Leaguer and have this great life, and This he's, is our chance to have our perfect dream life together. Mm-hmm. Instead, you won't leave me. Mm-hmm. And it's really gross because that is absolutely a thing that people sometimes do in high school is mm-hmm. they get their girlfriends pregnant to try to trap them because if they're going to be stuck as a fucking loser townie um at least their girlfriend will be too mm-hmm. and um yeah throughout this episode we're just gonna that that sort of thing is gonna get sprinkled in so uh, apologies but you know we have feelings right now I have a lot of feelings <laughs> so the other half of this road trip duo is bailey Harmony, how do you feel about Bailey? Bailey is absolutely a girl that I hung out with and sometimes had crushes on in high school because she's the kind of girl who can hang, will probably punch you in the arm, burp louder than you. Bailey's that kind of a friend. I love Bailey so very much for a number of reasons. One, I love that Barbie Feria gets to 
be the leading role in a movie. Mm -hmm. I love that Bailey is, you know, not super thin. I love that she has green hair. I love that she dresses like a weirdo and has like a Muppet backpack. That's not actually a Muppet. It just looks like it was made from Muppet flesh. Mm -hmm. She gets gets to have a lot more range in an exciting way as opposed to the only other role I know her for, which is Euphoria. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, that's cool. Yeah, she gets to show off her comedy chops. Uh, she gets to have fun. Um, we learn that she's queer, and I think that that's really cool, too. Mm-hmm. Um, we learn that, like, she's a big dork. How, and how much does, how much, really, how much do you relate to her specifically? Oh, a lot. Is, is this, like, this was me. See, what's really strange in watching this is that if you took Bailey and Veronica and, like, smashed them together, that, I think, is who I am as a person. Because, like, aesthetically and personality-wise, I'm definitely more Bailey, but I was such an insufferable overachiever the way that Veronica is. Um, So I relate to both of them in just very specific ways. Yeah, but also, didn't you relate like really hard to Kat in season one of Euphoria? Uh, I sure did. Like, oh, feeling weird about how everyone in high school doesn't appreciate your body because they don't know how to process this. So then you start doing things on the internet. Yes, I relate to that too. There's this like specific Venn diagram that orbits Barbie Ferreria that makes you yes. <laughs> specifically as a younger person. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Um, it's very strange. Uh, that's definitely a big reason why I love this actress so much and mm-hmm. will follow her work until the end of time. Um, but I love her character because she's also one of the only people who will call Veronica out and call her to the carpet oh, yeah. because she's had that longevity and she's known her forever. So she knows what aspects of her high school life are not her. Oh, yeah. And also, she sits by herself at the lunch table. You've got nothing to lose. What mm-hmm. do you need to do? Fall further down the social ladder? No one talks to you. Right. So, fuck it. I know you're lying, and I'm going to tell you that you're lying. Yes. Which I think is is really wonderful. There is so much power in being that person who's, you know, at the bottom of the food chain of high school hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And Bailey knows that. And I think that that's really interesting. But at the same time, I mean, she's not presented as like this shitty burnout character Uh -uh. who, you know, is that way because, you know, some weird sense of rebellion. We know she is that way because she had a difficult childhood and her best friend was not there for her during it. And that's why they stopped being friends. Yeah. So there's this. So in the formula of like a lot of teen movies, a lot of kids movies, there's that like going into the end of the second act argument that separates people and they have to come back together in the third act so that we can go on to the resolution of the whole movie. And most of the time I find it exhausting because it feels really uh, ham-fisted and it's just like, I don't know, we needed conflict. This was going too well, even though this road trip is full of disasters, so it's never going too well. Normally, I think that's a problem. I actually love it in this movie Mm -hmm. because... You have Veronica have this freak out because she's extremely self-centered. She's also extremely insecure. She's also very high strung. Yeah, you you can be a narcissist and really insecure at the same time. Yeah, and people don't recognize that. (laughs) Yeah, so you have that going on for her to the point where she doesn't even consider things from Bailey's perspective Mm -hmm. for why she was having a difficult time and why she was being like this kind of school fuck up that Veronica can't relate to anymore. Mm-hmm. Because her dad's a piece of shit and her parents are going through a nasty divorce. And Veronica witnesses that in the flashback. We see it. Mm-hmm. And she just doesn't put those pieces together because she wants Bailey to be perfect because it looks bad on her. Mm-hmm. And it becomes this like, oh, but it was so exhausting. To, like you were exhausting to be around because you were, you know, always upset or always whatever. And she's like, yeah, how do you think it was for me? I was actually going through You were that. never sober. Yeah, it's like, God. 
Um, so I like that they have that conflict in there, and I, I think that that's so important. But before they get to that conflict, you're totally right. They have a bunch of hijinks. So the the main thing that happens is once Veronica finds out she's pregnant, she makes the decision fully, like, I'm getting an abortion. Like, there is no other option for her. She's not going to put up the baby for adoption. She's also not going to keep it. Mm-hmm. We also learn that her older sister got pregnant uh, young because there's a, a really cute joke where it's like, remember when you found out you were going to be a nine-year-old aunt? <laughs> and I definitely know, like I have friends where that was their their situation. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to sound really weird, but my uh, one of my cousins, hi, Rachel, love you. Um, <laughs> she uh, <laughs> she has a, a nephew that is older than one of her siblings mm-hmm. um, because my uncle is a fucking fuck up. Um, uh-huh. So like that is always like a very weird thing where it's like, yeah, no, my nephew is uh, older than my brother. <laughs> so, you know, things happen. I'm not like the type of person that's just supposed to go and get an abortion. <gasps> Veronica, you are exactly the kind of person who gets an abortion and then doesn't tell anyone. The same kind of person who would just drop their best friend on a dime. Do you know why? Did you ever think about why? Yeah, yeah, you know, I had a lot of time to think about it when I was sitting in the lunchroom alone every day. You know, you made it so hard to be your friend. You, you just wanted to get in trouble and then you'd make fun of me because I didn't. And, and you made me feel like a loser for caring about school. And it, it was like you were, you were mad at me for doing well and being happy. I don't know, it was, God, and then, remember when I invited you to my 14th birthday and you snuck in a bottle of amaretto and puked all over my birthday cake? No one likes carrot cake. I do. You, you changed, yeah, Bailey. because my you, parents were getting a divorce. I'm so sorry that I couldn't be happy and perfect for I you never all the time. I needed you to be perfect, just like normal. So she saw what her sister went through. She knows what that experience is like, and she knows that she does have the familial support if need be. But it doesn't matter that she has all those resources. She doesn't want it. She doesn't want to be pregnant. She doesn't want to have a kid. She doesn't want to do any of that. She wants to have an abortion. She's made that decision. And she does all of her due diligence, does all of her research, and figures out where is the closest abortion clinic where I can go without parental consent. And that means going to New Mexico. Which I had to figure out where Missouri was on the map because I just knew it was somewhere in that flyover section (laughs) of the country. And I'm like, well, how far is New Mexico? I have no idea. Yeah, it was actually really funny when you mentioned that. I was like, it's right there. But then I was like, oh, well, I grew up in Illinois and Illinois and Missouri touch. Yeah, so so it's next to it. makes sense. I was like, there's there's a little space between Ohio. So it's just like Tornado Alley. It's like, oh, somewhere in there. (laughs) So yes, that's a it's it's a very long drive. I think she says something like it's like nine hundred ninety something miles. Like it's almost a thousand miles. Yeah, just absolute ridiculousness. But you know, Veronica plans it all out and figures out how they can get there, get it done, and get back without anybody knowing over a weekend. Got to get back by Monday so the parents don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that she's got it all figured out. Um, but of course. Uh, what's this? What's the the saying? Life is what happens while you're busy making other plans. Yeah. Um. So their road trip is chaos from start to finish, like um, any good road trip movie should mm-hmm, be. Absolutely. So 
at first you realize like, oh, there's something very sweet happening. You know, every time they cross state lines, they do this like little handshake thing that they clearly haven't done since they were very little. But, you know, you don't forget that kind of thing. It just Mm -hmm. lives in your body. And you're like, oh, this is really sweet. And then, you know, shit starts hitting the fan. We realize that the car that Bailey is driving is not her car. It is her mom's boyfriend's car. Phil with an F. Yeah, Phil with an F. So they have to ditch the car at a at a roadside. But luckily, while they're there, they meet a group of kids. I think they're in Texas at this point. Mm-hmm. But they meet a, a group of, like, kids-ish. They're, like, I think a little bit older. The teens is the age. Like upper teens. Yeah, upper teens, maybe, if not 20s. May, yeah, maybe very early 20s, they look like. Um, but they kind of help them out. They make a distraction so that the the cops don't. Uh... They sing patriotic tunes so that the <laughs> yeah. cops are like, get the fuck down off this table and they can escape. Yeah. And then uh, the the kids are like, hey, why don't you come with us to this carnival? We have a friend who is uh, a driver who lives in Amarillo and we'll get you there and that'll get you to a bus stop. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's nice. And they go to this carnival. And, and the first thing I say to you is, man... I fucking love a carnival like this. Oh, my God. I love a state fair. I can never go to a proper, like, you might die on the ride state fair ever again because mm-hmm. I will get hate crime to shit. Mm-hmm. But God, fuck, like, this this is my childhood. Like, I got so warm fuzzies from walking around in these places that probably smells like something cheesy that someone puked up in the corner mm-hmm. and also, like, a barn. Yeah. Like, oh, that is... That is that is a feeling that I remember because it was an event to go to like Lorraine County State Fair. Yeah, the the Lake County Fair growing up it was one of my favorite things in the world. And there, it's so weird. Maybe it's just like the Midwest trash that can like never die that's in my soul. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, you think about all of the things that are commonly associated with, you know, shitty red state bigots. And mm-hmm. it's monster trucks and beer and country music burr, 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 like all that kind monster of, trucks like and that's the thing is it's like but when i'm at a state fair or i like want to watch truckosaurus destroy shit yeah <laughs> like i want to watch i want to watch that shit i want to eat fried goo on a stick i like, want to have my dad spend probably like 45 dollars trying to win break a plate because he thinks he's good at it right <laughs> like there's just something weird and magnetic about going to a county fair even if like if you take these things separate individually, I'm probably not a huge fan of them. But when you put them in that context, I'm like, ah, oh, this is all I want. Like, it's I the want the right environment. It's, it's just, it's so good. It's, it's all context. Hey, do you want to eat six cheese sticks? No. What if we deep fry them and serve them with sauce? Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> and so they go to this carnival, and um, when they go, they they watch like the race and uh, doing kind of like a like destruction derby, destruction derby sort racing. of thing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's you realize these kids from Texas, like, like their friend is the racer, and they're like, "Wow, your friend Matthews, like they're he's really good." And it's not Matthews, and we get a great, you know, helmet off reveal, short blonde hair, looking like she is fresh from motocrossed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Betty who who plays this character, and that's when you learn that Bailey is queer because mm-hmm. Bailey just like is enamored with her and it's, this it's very a dream weaver scene. Oh, it's so good, and she has like. <laughs> Bailey has been cool and collected and confident and unfuckwithable this whole movie. And then she meets this girl and suddenly is just like, <laughs> and you're like, oh, that's really cute. Like, mm-hmm. you, that's what breaks you. Pretty girls break you. I love yeah. this. Like, same. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> um, so they end up, you know, oh, we're going to get a ride with this person and they're going to take us to Amarillo and that's great. It's going to be awesome. Um and so Betty who says like meet me in front of the fun house in like 45 minutes I gotta go drive a monster truck she's fucking rad like that yeah she's real cool and so they go on some rides 
Bailey calls the clinic to make an abortion appointment because Veronica has been avoiding it this whole time. Because it makes she, it real. Yeah, because she she just calls and hangs up and doesn't say anything, and it's mm-hmm. it's scary. So they go on this ride, and it, there's this beautiful cathartic moment that also scares me. <laughs> uh-huh. Where, like, they're on this, like, spinning ride, and Bailey's screaming about how she's, like, gay and she loves women and boobs and it's great it's so cute and veronica's <laughs> like you know what i'm gonna let it out too i'm pregnant and i want an abortion we're gay and we're pregnant and they're just <laughs> it feels good but i'm like i would never in my life scream that shit in texas especially now right <laughs> oh it's, my god no yeah it's like it's one of those moments where you watch it and you're like that has to feel so good for both of them to just scream it out loud and make it known, and this is great. But you're absolutely right. But then that reality sets in, or it's like, do you know where you are? You can't. I know this is a cute cinematic moment that probably feels good. That you're doing something. Re- that is the most reckless thing you've done so far. It's kids who don't think about stuff like that. Like you're you're living wild and dangerous a bit when you're a kid. You know, mm-hmm. like you're a teen and you're just kind of doing a thing that feels good and don't really think about the consequences and. It seems like they're going to be fine, but those consequences show up very quickly, and I clocked it immediately. Yeah, they show up. Breckin Myers is <laughs> a scary boy. He's a scary, short little boy. So they get off the ride, and uh, they cross paths with Breckin Meyer and Sugarland Beard and their baby. And so if you don't know who Sugarland Beard is, she has the voice of a little... A little mouse is uh-huh. the best way I can describe it. It is the cutest voice, but it is very much like, uh... oh, hi, girls. I'm here to help you. Uh-huh. Like, it's like one of those, like, like alarmingly kind sounding voices. Um, so she and Breck and Meyer show up and they're like, you know, oh, we couldn't help it over here. You're trying to get to Albuquerque and that's where we're going. So we can take you the whole ride there. And obviously. Which- Betty, who could only take them part of the way. Correct. Great. This is all set up. This is wonderful. Yeah. So they decide like, yep, we're going to go with these like weird suburban strangers that we just met and they're going to take us all the way and that's going to be great. The uh, the lie they tell them is like, oh, we're going to go see my dad. My dad lives there. Bailey says that, Uh Um, which we do learn out is true. Her dad is in Albuquerque. Yeah. Um, But uh, (laughs) they uh, they decide like, like, okay, we'll we'll meet up at, you know, this place or whatever. And. Before they leave, though, Bailey is like, I'm going to go meet, you know, Betty Hoover by the uh, the fun house. And the two of them go on this fun house and they have like a, a very cute little meet cute moment. It is a cleaner fun house than I have ever seen at a county fair. Uh, 100%. There's even a ball pit, which like you are asking for trouble in there. Uh-huh. But you know what? Bravery. There, There is at least some kind of poop that came off someone's <laughs> shoe in there somewhere. <laughs> but it's just this really lovely moment. And uh Bailey has her first kiss, and it's very sweet and very charming, and it's one of those, like, this moment could only happen here and now, and I'm never going to see this person again. Like, this isn't a, oh, we met at this fair, and now we're going to make a long-distance relationship. Like, it's not that. It's just, we had this moment, we had this this beautiful experience, and we're going to remember this forever, and that's the extent of how we're going to exist in each other's lives. Mm-hmm. I live for moments like that in movies because we don't get them enough. No, it's, you know, two ships passing in the night, and yeah. this, this scene in of itself is very cute. I definitely had a moment where uh, 
she goes, "Hey, can I kiss you?" And I go, "Ma'am, that is a teenager." Right. It's you, uh, you don't know. You don't know she's like seventeen. Right. That's but... that's a thing to contend with because I mean, in real life, Barbie Ferrier is twenty five and yeah. Betty who's thirty, so it's really not a thing. And also, you can speak on this as someone who has been built the way you are forever. You, you didn't look like a 17-year-old. No, 17. I never did. So I why would you assume that they're a high school? No, and that's the thing is a lot of, obviously I can unpack this later in life, but a lot of the things that I did when I was like 14, 15 years old, uh, people did not know how old I was. Mm-hmm. And of course they should have asked, um, was I going to tell them the truth? No, and I didn't. You're, you're caught in the moment exactly. for this whole thing. And it's sweet and it's special. It's just... If you know all the details, it's a little like, oh, dear. Right. But that's... But, but, but she doesn't know that. Yes. And she should have asked or someone should have divulged this. This is this is a little bit of both their faults. Exactly. Like, it's it's definitely a, a both at the same time. Like, and that's, I think, why this scene is so magical because, of course, they could never have a relationship. She's 17 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, actually, Bailey might be 18. They don't fully establish... Like, okay, well, they're she's still seniors. in high school and that's still weird. It's still weird because, yes, she's a high schooler. Um, but one, she doesn't look it, and two, they don't have that conversation. Um, so there's that going on. And also because, yes, I have looked like this, knowing Bailey, she wouldn't have been honest with her anyway. Mm-hmm. So they're allowed to have this sweet moment because ultimately, like, there are no stakes attached to this. Like, mm-hmm. it's a big deal in the sense that this is her first kiss and she's going to remember this forever. I mean, it's a pretty romantic way to have a first kiss. Yeah, it's so lovely. Like, like it's such a beautiful moment. I was just w- waxing poetic about the bad smells of a fair. And <laughs> right. I think this is fantastic. So Yeah, it is a really lovely moment that they're able to share and because there's nothing serious with it like they're not pursuing a relationship they're not fucking it is a kiss it's it's pretty it's pretty harmless it's pretty harmless yeah. and it's meaningful and it's lovely mm-hmm. so they have that and then they end up getting in the car with Breckenmeyer and Sugarland Beard and they're driving and they're going to go places and um Pretty quickly, you be you, you the 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 warning bells start going off. Oh, as soon as they showed up, I'm like, I don't trust them. They reek of like <laughs> Catholicism or Mormonism. I don't like them. Yeah, so they end up falling asleep on the drive. They wake up and they are at their home. And suddenly, it's a horror movie. And suddenly, it's a horror movie because you realize. They are not actually going to help them. They are uh, anti-abortion activists who overheard them uh, making the the appointment on the phone and have decided to uh, try to convince them to not get the abortion. And I don't know. I guess the end game was like hold them hostage until she gave birth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was the master plan, or at least just harass them until they believe them because. You know, you're, sp- you're spreading the gospel of the good book, so how could we not think that we could convince you to believe it? Yeah, it is um, nightmare fuel. Bailey ends up uh, going upstairs and realizing that Breckenmeyer has what I feel like is like an alt-right podcast hell den. It's, it's his abortion den where there's just a bunch of signs from pickets that he's done or whatever. Just everywhere. Just on the walls and there's just no free wall space. It's just horrifying slogans. It's so scary. And then at the same time, like the wife is downstairs having demented scary pancake breakfast with uh, Veronica and is just like... Bogarting her phone. Yeah, and is like holding her phone. It's like, well, I told Kevin that you're that this is where you are. And He's going to, I just think that you're going to have the best marriage and babies. And like the whole time you're just like, ah, because yes, it does feel like a horror movie, but it's done in a way that's like very campy and very fun. So even though like the situation is 
fucking horrifying. It's done in a way that is so cartoonish that like it doesn't ever like feel scary. Like it feels scary. Yeah. But it's not like like traumatizing. Bailey come running in going like, dude, we gotta get the fuck out of here. It feels like Seth Rogen in Pineapple Express. Yeah, very much. Dude, my weed. I need to leave. Yeah, they're like, we gotta get out of here. And Veronica's like, you know shit. Like that's what it feels like. And then they steal these people's car. And you're like, okay, they stole that car. And you think they get away. They don't get away. Um, Brecken Myers has a horrifying baby mobile of an RV <laughs> that he takes after them in across the desert. And here's the thing. Like, anyone who has gone to a state school can tell you that, like, these vans are fucking real. Mm-hmm. These people who cover the sides of their vehicles with, like, gross close-up images of, like, late-term abortions. And here's the thing. Late-term abortion, I hate the term. Not a real thing. Doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. If there is a late-term abortion taking place, it is because something is seriously fucking wrong. Either the parent, like the person who is carrying this child, their life is in danger, or the life of this child is in danger, and something has to happen, or both of them are going to die. It's not for the funsies like conservatives think it is. No, nobody is carrying a child for seven, eight months, and then goes, you know what? Just kidding. I don't want this. I want to get to eight months just to really stick it to this baby. Right, like, that's not a fucking thing that happens, and it is so infuriating that that's what people think happens, and it's just like, why? Why would you do that? You're you're past the point of no return now. Why mm-hmm. would you do that? You're yeah. so stupid. The dumbest thing in the world. It's just so you could be like, psych. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, the people who go through that are people, like, they wanted this baby. They were planning for this baby. There's probably already a nursery. Mm-hmm. So it is just a special brand of evil when that is the imagery that has become so, like, prominent. And... It's so gross. But yeah, those vans are real. Like those people are fucking real. They Uh show up at college campuses and they pick it and they have bull horns and they're awful. And the thing that makes it even more nefarious is that you hear Breckenmeyer talking. I know that they have character names. He's Breckenmeyer. I don't give a shit. That's his name in every movie. That's his name in every movie he's ever in. I don't care if it's Can't Hardly Wait. I don't care if it's Rat Race. That's just he's He's Breckenmeyer in everything Um, I've ever seen him in. But he even says because he has the uh like the speaker system so that he can yell at the car while they're driving yeah he calls it an emergency like pregnancy center because that is another thing that exists in this country that people don't realize is there are so many like anti-abortion like groups and whatever that have like physical fucking locations where it's like oh yeah we're a family planning center no you're not oh they they masquerade as they a place masquer- you want to be yes they they do it specifically to deceive people to trick them into not getting abortions and it's really predatory and super scary and i i want to say i can't believe this is legal of oh, course I, I fucking can mm-hmm. um especially because they're in texas Yes. And Texas is a scary place mm-hmm. for rights right now. Mm-hmm. And that's not the fault of most people in Texas. It's just the fault of It's loud the fault of people. gerrymandering. Yeah. It's just, oh, I'm, I'm going to throw something on fire. Yeah. Um, but it is a very hilarious visual to watch two teen girls in a stolen car driving through the desert while they're being chased by an RV with a baby's face on the front of it that is flapping in the wind. I mean, it's pretty Hilarious. It's it's horrifying, but it's It's horrifying. This is a horror comedy. Yes. Great visual, especially because they, like, drive through things. So at one point, it, like, (laughs) cuts through, like, a barn or something, and it's just baby face coming through the barn. Great visual. This is my favorite sequel to Joyride. (laughs) 
So they, you know, they outrun uh, and decide to Thelma, Thelma and Louise it, but actually fake their own deaths because they roll out and then hide behind like a tree or something. Which is not like the best plan because then they have to no. run through a bunch of open desert and there's really nowhere to hide when this man finds out, oh, there's nobody in my truck that they just wrecked. So right. I don't, they're kids. They're not thinking about things. No, they're it's not. Fine. But they, they manage to escape uh, that special brand of hell. And they end up, uh, like, walking on, you know, train tracks. They At one point, they're like, we're going to run and jump on this train. It's going way too fast. But It would have dislocated their shoulder immediately. Yeah, they do, like, a countdown where it's like, one, two, three, jump. And then they go, to, when they're going to jump, the train has gone by. It's gone. Mm-hmm. Like, they can't jump on it. Um, no and, offense to these small girls, but yeah, I don't no. think they had the upper body strength to get on anyway. No. Probably would have ended poorly. Yeah. And uh, what... What then happens there is the first time that the movie like really kind of gets serious. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a wonderful speech from Veronica where the severity of the situation and how fucked up it is finally uh, sets in to both of them. And I am praying that we are able to find the clip of that moment and enter it right here. Joke. <laughs> This is a joke. I shouldn't be here. I should not be here. I I should be able to just walk down the street and, and open a door and waltz right in and say, hello, my name is Veronica. My boyfriend is an asshole. Here's my $500. Oh, oh, yes, I would love a cup of water. Thank you so much. That's so sweet of you. But no, nope. Instead, I literally had to drive 996 miles and now I'm stranded in this freaking field in the middle of nowhere and the train, the stupid train won't slow down. Why in the hell do you need to get parental consent to have an abortion but not to actually birth a human child? Fuck you, Missouri State Legislature! But her anger is so justified in this moment because she's right. It is so beyond fucked that she has to travel nearly a thousand miles and go through all of this headache just to get an abortion because she's right. She should be able to just walk in a door and get it done and go on with her day. And as someone who has had multiple abortions, it's such a non-issue procedure. It's so fucking easy. Like it doesn't take long. The things that take long depend on the state that you're in. I had one as a teenager in Illinois, super easy to get, not a problem at all. The one I had to get in Ohio as an adult Super difficult to get, required multiple visits, required really long fucking like emotional, are you safe? Have you been convinced to do this? Do you know that there are adoption agencies? Do you know that you can do all of this? And just getting badgered with all of these questions that are legally required and the whole time having like a nurse or an assistant that's like, 
I know that you don't want me to do this and I know you don't want to do this and you just want to get it over with, but I legally have to and I'm so sorry Mm -hmm. because they know it's bullshit too. And having to go through all that and then having to like sit in one room and stare at a bunch of people, some of which are having a really fucking bad time Mm -hmm. and some of them who are just like, get me fucking out of here. I want to be done with it. And then you have the procedure and it's not a big deal. And yes, if they ever give you the option to go to sleep or take the local, go to sleep. Learn. I did not. I took the local. Mistakes were made. Shit sucked. I, I I love that when we finally do get to the clinic, which we're skipping a couple steps. Like, they roll up into this clinic in a limousine in front of protesters driven by Gustavo Frein from Breaking Bad. <laughs> right. So that's cool. But, Who um, hates the government and he's awesome. He's, he's competent Dale Gribble. And... This is the most thorough I've ever had abortions explained to me. Because I'm like, oh, I know, like, you know, 80, like, probably 75% of this. But there's, like, the little bit beats in between that I didn't specifically know about. Because, mm-hmm. I don't know, I've never looked into those parts of it. Because I've... It's I, never going to apply I don't to you. <laughs> have a uterus. I can't get pregnant. So, this was a very, very interesting and comforting and competent look at specifically what this process entails. Mm-hmm. And, and it's it's exactly correct. And you were giving me commentary as we were going along. No, and it's absolutely correct. This movie does a really, really good job at showing what the process is actually like. And I mean that not in the sense of like, oh, they show the, the graphic details. They walk you through it as if you are the one getting it to the point of like you sit down, you answer the required questions, you have the ultrasounds, you go to the waiting area, you go to sleep, do not remember the procedure, you wake up and you end up in the room for recovery, and then you walk out and you go home. Like that's all it is. It's like 20 minutes in and out? Pretty much. I mean like it's longer because of the waiting and shit like that, but it's really not like the actual procedure itself is like 15-20 minutes. It does not take a long time. Mm-hmm. And again, my dumbass took the local because I was like, I've had cancer surgery. It won't be that bad. It's I, not I'm it's a tough n- motherfucker. It's not a bad procedure, I should say that. Like I'm not trying to scare people, but like just go to sleep. If like, you have the option. If you have the option, just go to sleep. Like Because anybody who has a uterus, like, you know what it feels like to get, like, a pap smear or to have your, like, cervix dilated. Like, that's what it feels like. And that shit sucks. Uh So take the the anesthesia. Go to bed. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Go to bed. Obviously, if you can. Like, if there are things in your life where you can't. Like, it's it's really not that big of a deal. But just – you don't want to feel that Mm -hmm. because it just – it's invasive and it sucks. Um, but also like at the time when I got mine, the, they were required to ask me like, Hey, do you want to see what we took out of you? Mm. And for some people they do Mm -hmm. because, uh, if it's a pregnancy that was wanted and was loved and it had to, you know, go away for whatever number of reasons they want to mourn. And some people want to take the, the stuff home and bury it and do that. And I'm glad that they have that option. Um, I hate the places that make it mandatory. Oh, yeah. Because that's fucking awful and traumatizing for somebody who doesn't want that. Okay. Um, I looked at mine. Um, meh. It just looks like a really thick period. It was, it was fine. Oh. That's all it looked like. Okay. I've seen, I've had, I've woken up with worse <laughs> um, in the middle of the night. So well, you had it very, very early on, right? Yes. Yeah. It was, I think, like eight, eight or nine weeks. Okay. Um, but it's one of those moments where it, it's almost infuriating when you see how simple it is and how easy it is and how easy it should be. And how it's pr- 
pretty non-invasive. It's pretty non-invasive. And like, she even says like, hey, I'm really nervous. And the nurse is like, yeah, that's normal. Like, Mm -hmm. and like they affirm her every step of the way. But this whole movie is just chaos upon chaos upon like random. All of the worst things happening, leading all the way up to Kevin meeting you here and being a huge piece of shit in your face and then threatening to blackmail you if you get an abortion by telling the whole school that you're mm-hmm. going to get an abortion because he's a piece of garbage and he I hate sucks. him. He sucks. He's the fucking like, worst. She goes through so many things she shouldn't have to go through for the most calm and simple thing in the entire movie. Yeah. The least stressful thing that happens in this movie is the fucking abortion. And if that ain't just perfect symbology yeah it's like it's mind-blowing to me everything that led up to that point and everything on the way home is infinitely worse than this actual procedure that they had to go through all of that for to get it and you're absolutely right it is that is the symbology of all of it and we did skip over the stuff with the limo just because my brain went from her going on that monologue to what ends up inevitably happening. The limo thing's kind of whatever. Um, The more important part. Yes. The more important part is when they have this limo and they're on their way. Veronica's listening to Kelly Clarkson. Yeah. Veronica's (laughs) friends call. And this whole time they've been trying to figure out who at their school is pregnant because after Bailey found Veronica's pregnancy test, she threw it in a dumpster just to get rid of it. But somebody Mm -hmm. found it. The recycling club. The recycling club found it and now the whole school's trying to figure out who it belongs to because high schoolers are high schoolers mm-hmm. and the girls decide that they think that it was bailey's because bailey was the one that was behind the school at that time so that's who they believe it to be and veronica thinks bailey is taking a nap in the back of the limo at the time and she fucking sells her out and is like yep no by bet it probably was her like maybe she's like you know sleeping around because she doesn't really have friends but bailey hears all of it and is pissed rightfully so mm-hmm. where she's like i went through all of this with you i took you through all of this and you still sold me out to your friends like you can't even be honest with them about what's going on in your life um fuck you fuck you you're being shitty and this is where they have that heart to heart about the divorce and why they stop being friends mm-hmm. and we find out you know it's bailey's bailey's dad sucks we do find out bailey's dad really does live in albuquerque and so plant business so they go their separate ways where um you know the bailey goes and leaves and does something and you know veronica doesn't know what and veronica's just gonna make it her appointment but she does reschedule her appointment because she realizes um because her and bailey drink this very weird slurpee mix of um Cherry, blue raspberry, and Coke on top, which I have had, and it is delicious. Let's see. That's not even that weird of a mix. It's just particular. It's just particular. Um, And she realizes, oh, Bailey is still here. Her dad really is here. I'm going to go figure this out. They end up going uh, to the plant store where they see Bailey kind of confronting her dad and is like, hey, I just wanted to see you. And her dad. Dad's a piece of shit. He fucking sucks. Oh, I want to punch him in the face. Oh, dad's like, oh, well, why are you here? Did you need money? Uh, I send child support when I can, but it's the slow season for plants. Um, Maybe call me next time. Like, he has no interest in being a father. None. And aside from him just being a piece of shit, and that works for why Bailey is who she is, that's a perfect example of, like, Hey, maybe not everyone should have kids. He only had a kid because Bailey's mom wanted one. He's like, cool, I fucking gave it to you. Now I'm I'm done. I don't want to do this. Yeah. 
And Which I had family members who were like that. Yeah. And it, it's very apparent that he never wanted to be a parent. He never wanted to have kids. And he does it like he never bonded or attached with Bailey. No. And it sucks because Bailey has obviously she wants her dad. She wants mm-hmm. that presence. And he doesn't want her. And it's not even a matter of like, oh, he's a deadbeat dad who's like in jail and doing drugs or blah, blah, blah. Not no, to say that people who do drugs or go to jail are deadbeats. I'm just speaking generalities. Mm-hmm. Um, he's He just doesn't want to be a parent. Like he has, he has a successful business in Albuquerque. He dresses nicely. He pays when he can. He just doesn't want to have kids. Yeah. And that is a valid reason to have an abortion or to not be a parent. Not everybody's meant to be a parent. No, I'm not. So I don't. But this isn't even like the period of like a teen or an adolescent's life where you idealize your dad and you Mm -hmm. think he's like Superman and he's untouchable. It's like, no, she knows specifically what's up with her dad, but she hasn't seen him in a long time. And she's looking for like, the bare minimum like maybe we could just get dinner or something he's just like as ah, it's not really a good time for me mm-hmm. and he just has zero interest in seeing his daughter period mm-hmm. and like this, not, not exactly to one-to-one but this is how it is like with my dad my, mm-hmm. my dad probably only wants to be a dad if you're like a very tiny version of him but even then he hated my brother they fought constantly mm-hmm. so my dad just shouldn't have been a dad mm-hmm. and that's fucked up it, it's it's Probably this idea of people like our parents' age or, you know, give give or take 10 years where you think you're supposed to have a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, for one reason or another, it ties into this whole idea of like, well, you are supposed to give life. That's your job as a as an American, as a, a Christian, as a, a woman, as whatever. Mm-hmm. And you fucking shouldn't if you don't want to. Yeah. And that's how choice works. Yeah. And that's why choice is supposed to be a thing that we're allowed to have because – and and just all of the rhetoric that gets spilled around this of like, oh, but adoption. And it's like, first off, adoption is fucking trauma. We talked about it in our Roxy Carmichael episode. I will talk about it again. Um, adoption should not be a form of family planning. These are children in crisis. You are not entitled to a children in crisis. Oh, but I'm queer and I can't have children. Cool. Go to fucking therapy and deal with that. A, a, a TikTok that I love says like, adopted children are not like they're not your guilt-free baby factories and it's just so infuriating how people are just like oh just do that it's fine it's not fine it's fucking not fine because you're absolutely right there are also people who will adopt these children and then if their children are not the way that they expected them to be if they have their own wants and needs or if they end up queer or they end up you know with some sort of disability or they end up with different political alignments then people are like well you should do what I did because you should be grateful for my adopting you. Oh, yeah. We talked about that all in our Roxy Carmichael episode. Mm-hmm. But, like, since Roe v. Wade got overturned, um, I've seen multiple people go viral on Twitter for being like, please have your baby. We'll adopt them. We will adopt your baby. And it's totally these fucking Brecken Myers and Sugarland Beard type people who are, like, very creepy. And I saw someone describe them as white people auditioning for a Jordan Peele movie. Yes. <laughs> Which, like, yes. Which is precisely that. And it's, uh, it, it makes me so uncomfortable because that's the kind of person who will say that. And clearly, if it was about that, you would go adopt another 
kid that's actually in the foster care system because Mm -hmm. you don't care about it. You just want to have the baby and then you probably won't be happy. You don't give a shit about children. You just give a shit about this specific child and then you will stop caring. No, you give a shit about yourselves because that's the other thing is the amount of people that are like, well, I don't want to do the foster care system because what if I don't get to keep them? Mm -hmm. Um, Because the point of foster care, like the goal is reunification. You want these children to go back with their families. And the amount of people that are like, well, if I can't keep them, then why would I do that? Then you don't actually care about that child's well-being you care about fulfilling your needs and desires as like well i want a baby mm-hmm. you're not entitled to a baby no one is entitled to a baby nobody and I, i'm i'm so sorry that's a hard fucking pill for people to swallow we be like well i have just so much love to give i have so much love help a child in crisis then if you get to keep them that's great if you don't get to keep them that's even better like help children just need help and if you care about them the way that you say that you do you don't care that the end game might not be that you get to keep them forever you the end game should be this child is fulfilled and taken care of and and is loved and nurtured and is in the best possible predicament that they could be in and it's just it's so fucking infuriating and and then on top of it all like people say like oh well you should have to carry it because x y and z so say veronica does right say she does put that baby up for adoption that's still going to change her body forever. That's going to make it so that she can't go to her Ivy League school now because she's not going to not be pregnant um, when she goes there. That's not going to be... She can't walk across campus when she's nine months pregnant. That can't fucking happen. So, like, no. It's just... It's so frustrating how just willfully ignorant people are about this kind of thing. And it's like... You should be able to get an abortion for any fucking reason that you need it. And when people are like, oh, but then people are going to use it for birth control. Nobody does that. Fucking nobody uses abortion. There are easier ways to have birth control. 100%. Abortion is a last ditch effort. Nobody is just like, oh, just get an abortion. Because nobody's just like, oh, I have $500 and like a bunch of time off from work to lie around. That's It's it's the same fucking mentality of people that are like, people are going to put edibles in your kid's trick or treat. No, they're fucking not. It's expensive. It's fucking expensive. Like, to what nobody... game? You can't even watch the kids be high. Yeah, nobody. Like, there's no is enjoyment just, for that. Nobody is just planning to just casually have abortions. Like, that's not a thing. Like, you have it because you need it. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, I just want to fucking scream. Yeah. Um. But anyway, Veronica does do like great best friend thing where she yells at Bailey's dad and is like. Okay, I get that you don't want to like be a dad, but Bailey's fucking awesome and she's creative and she's intelligent and she's funny and she's really cool and you missed out on that because you suck. And then she tases him because Bailey has a taser. Um, and that is her big, I guess in in the movie world, that is her big romantic gesture to Bailey to prove to her that like, hey, I love you, you're my friend, and mm-hmm. yes, I was shitty. Uh, how do I make it up to you? And Bailey's like, well, Taze and my dad was a great start. Yes. Um, so then they make it in time. They get to the abortion clinic. Kevin is there being a shithead. Um, but she gets she gets the abortion. She leaves. She feels good. And they realize they have no money. They get their final like meal on the road. And they finally go, fuck it. We're calling our parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, they call their parents. They get their flights home. And this scene in particular that happens once they get home I think is one of the most important scenes in the movie. And it's when Veronica gets home and she has to explain to her mother, who is a bit devout as we learn that she got the abortion. And she's like, I didn't want to tell you because I thought you were going to hate me. And she's crying. And her mom is like, I will never understand that this is the choice that you've made, but like, I love you and you're my daughter. And that's never going to change that. 
I don't understand it, but like I still love you. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason that scene is so important for me is because like in my family, like no one gives a shit. It's like, oh, you got an abortion? Good for you. Like, congrats. But there are so many people in this world where like that is a deal breaker for them. Where it's like, well, if you've done this, then like I can never see you the same way again. I You're hate murderer. you. You're a murderer. Yeah. Like all this bullshit. And this is an example of the defense that people have been having forever. It's like, don't like abortion? Good, don't get one. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what this scene is. It's like, your mom doesn't like abortion? Good, she doesn't have to get one. But you not liking it doesn't mean that Veronica can't have one or shouldn't have one. Mm-hmm. Like, she made the right choice for herself. And Veronica even tells her, she's like, I know I made the right choice. I don't regret doing it. Um, I'm I'm glad that I got this done. And her mom is like, I'm just glad that you're okay and I'm glad that you're home and I can take care of you and I'm sorry you had to go through this. Mm-hmm. And it's it's such an important moment because we never see them like this. Like we never see the parent that's like, I don't agree with this, but I care about you. It's usually way more dramatic than that. Yeah. Or it's a non-issue, which like when that happens, like I understand why you want to do that. I mean, it's you, nice. Yeah, you want to have that nice. But it's complicated. Yeah. And this is complicated because mm-hmm. it's not an either or. It's like, oh, no, there's a, there's I have mid grounds of feelings, but I mm-hmm. care about you. And the, and I think that's the thing is people get so hung up on the polarity of all of it. And it's like it's. It's neither and both at the same time. And that's why it's so important that the choice exists. And a lot of people keep trying to make the thing like, well, they didn't outlaw abortion. They just made it so states have rights. Blah, 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 blah. Fuck that shit. Like, states' rights is the dumbest shit in the entire world. Um, What's the point of having a country if we're just going to be 50 tiny countries? Exactly. It's so fucking stupid. Um, And it's just... It's just really, really frustrating and sad, and I feel a whole lot of ways about what is happening every day. And watching that moment, I think I needed to see it, especially in this time period. Mm -hmm. I needed to see somebody who is not pro-abortion understand and treat somebody who has had an abortion with respect. Mm-hmm. Um, I I needed that because something that I've been doing, and I, I post about this on TikTok, so if you follow me, then you already know this, is I'm in this very weird predicament where I know how many people think that uh, I'm an exception to the rule. When they hear the circumstances that surrounded me needing abortion, it tends to be uh, – Something that changes a lot of people's minds, and it shouldn't be, because I, I there shouldn't have to be caveats of why somebody got an abortion. Um, the the I'm against abortion unless in the case of rape or incest. Like stop. I know you think that that's helpful. It's not. It should be. If you need one, you get one. Mm-hmm. That's how this should work. Um, but I know that my sharing my experience gets through to a lot of people. Because I'm able to talk about it. I have the correct language to use. Um, I'm trauma-informed, so I know how to have these conversations. And at the same time, there are definitely still people that will say things to me like, well, you being assaulted was – that was God's will. Mm -hmm. And it's the same people who say that shit about me like when I got cancer. Like, well, God's preparing you for something bigger. 
And that is the thing that I will never be able to get over Uh is when people say shit like that to me. Like that is the one aspect of all of this that is just so fucking stupid. And so seeing her mom love her, like I, I need to see that. I need, I need that reminder that those people still exist. Um, and that's not to say like my parents, they know and they don't give a shit, which is great. Um, but there are people in my life that, you know, I, I care a lot about that I know think differently of me having known that. And I, I fucking hate that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that I'm just kind of word vomiting at this point because I'm just filled with so much just raw emotion about all of this. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm angry and I'm sad and I'm scared and just so exhausted and disappointed and like this isn't me being like oh i'm so shocked i can't believe this never would have happened i absolutely believe this would have happened mm-hmm. like america has been doing this to fucking black and indigenous people since the beginning of our fucking country this is not new the only reason it's a big deal is because it's finally affecting white people mm-hmm. but it's still regardless of knowing that this is nothing new, it's still just like, God fucking damn it, right? Like, I don't know. That's just where my brain is right now. So here's the plan. First, you'll change into your gown. Warning, it's not cute. Then you'll get a vaginal ultrasound. It's not fun, but it doesn't hurt. And you don't have to look at the monitor if you don't want to. Next, we'll draw some blood and we'll hook you up to an IV. Then you'll sit with other women who are waiting for surgery. And then to the surgical suite. The anesthesiologist will place a mask on your face and you'll be asleep in seconds. The doctor has a wand that he'll insert inside you and remove the fetus. You'll be in and out in under 10 minutes. You'll wake up in the recovery room, safe and sound. Can I tell you something? I'm honestly pretty nervous. <laughs> it's okay. It's normal. And I have a feeling you're going to do just fine. No, I I get absolutely everything that you're saying and I'm really glad that you've had like a catharsis with which to scream into the sky but actually into a microphone and hopefully the audio's okay. And hopefully Breckenmeyer isn't waiting around the corner to like kidnap me and hide me somewhere. And hopefully he's not offended that we don't call him by his na- character name. For all all intents and purposes, I've heard that he is nothing but like a great guy. I'm a huge fan. Yeah, huge fan. Love you dearly. I don't think that you're going to kidnap me and force me to have a baby. <laughs> yes. So like all of that aside, um, the moment that I think encapsulates my feelings on this movie and 
abortion and all of that stuff is in a uh, an unlikely source. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, it, it's a Kevin Smith movie. Oh yeah, is it in Dogma? It is Dogma, in which you have the main character of Bethany who works in an abortion clinic, and Jay and Silent Bob hang out there because it's a great place to meet loose women, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, but she can't have kids, and the retort that her mother says is, oh, well, it's part of God's plan. And her feelings on that are, well, what about my plans? Mm-hmm. And that, to, that, that has always felt like, you know, ever since being like 10 years old or whatever and seeing that for the first time, um, that has pretty much always been my stance on everything, which is, no, fuck God's plan. What about my plans? Mm-hmm. What about what I want? Like, in that movie, she wants to have a kid, but she didn't have that option. And, like, that sucks. But that's a matter of choice, is everyone should have the choice to do what they're planning. Mm-hmm. I, I agree completely because, you know, for people who talk all the time about, like, the rights of the unborn or, like, whatever bullshit. They have more rights than I do. Yeah, they do. And it's it's really alarming. And also, like, once those kids are born, though, like, they don't follow up on that shit. Mm-hmm. They don't care about helping that child heal from trauma when they are put up for adoption. Like, like I try so hard not to be like tinfoil hat about this shit, but it is so clear that they're they're freaking out about the fact that the workforces are getting smaller and smaller because and, we're having less and less children. And no one's joining the military. And no one's joining the military yeah. because like it's unsustainable for us to raise children in in this current climate. So none of us are having fucking children because none of us can afford them, mm-hmm. which means there are less poverty stricken families with children that they need to pump into the military. Like that's. I hate to be that person that's, I feel like I'm fucking Pepe Silva meme from It's Always Sunny, but like, it's all right there. Mm -hmm. Like, and we need to stop pretending that like, that's not what's happening. It's it's a long game. It's a long game. And like, that's precisely what's happening. And like, conservatives figured out decades and decades ago how they win. Yes. Us on the left, we have been playing nice and trying to play into their game and be the bigger person and turn the other cheek and lean in and all this fucking bullshit for so long and look where it's got us. Fucking nowhere. It has gotten us nowhere. The right is so effective because they have very specific platforms that they just hammer on and they are unified in like, no, we must keep guns. We must end abortion rights we say like you know we must gerrymander every fucking district in order to stay in power like they have a very clear goal and they achieve those goals because they're relentless about them yes people on more of a left-leaning side of things have ridiculously splintered goals and everyone's self-centered and nobody thinks about anything and they infight constantly and this is why we can never get anything fucking done and we can't get anything done. And I'm done. not even talking purely on like a political level. It's I'm talking just like in a community level. Yeah. None of us can because we get so hung up on shit that like is not like, yes, it is a big deal, but do more than one. Mm-hmm. Do more than one at the same time. Don't, like, don't go on a crusade about one thing when you should be crusading about everything. Yes. May, may your action. Oh, my God. To quote, to quote uh, Mr. Alex Steed, may your actions be as radical as your tweets. Yes. My well, God! Your words are, are are not actions in this capacity, and you need to be focusing on actions, not words. Yeah, you can you can do both. You can use the right language whilst you're rallying for this stuff, mm-hmm. but you still need to be rallying. Mm-hmm. 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 100. Yep. So that yep, yep. that's my feelings on it, and you clearly agree with me. Do you have anything else about this movie you'd like to talk about? Because I think we're we're getting tired and yeah. spicy. <laughs> so again, ultimately, we chose this movie with intention. Because we wanted to have these, com- <laughs> <No kidding. laughs> we wanted to have these conversations, but 
there's multiple ways to have these conversations. And sometimes it's emotional in the sense that it's really sad. Sometimes it's emotional in the sense that it makes us really angry. Sometimes it's emotional in that like we just need that disconnect and we need it to be kind of lighthearted because the world is too serious. Uh So that's why this was chosen. And I'm very glad that we chose it. And I really hope that anybody listening knows that the anger that I feel and the energy that I brought to this episode is my way of dealing with what's happening because it's beyond fucked. And I was having a conversation with a friend about this. And one of the things that she said was, it's so difficult because everything else in our lives that are that are problems, you know, we can we can go to therapy about it. We can get medication about it. We can treat yourself self-care about it. Mm. You can't do that right now. Like it's bigger than all of us and we have to work together and we have to build a community. And right now, I just feel like I'm watching communities fall to fucking pieces. And like, you know, there's there's all these organizations that have been doing this work for so long and they're getting pushed out and pushed aside by people who want to make infographs about places that it's great to go camping. And like, I understand that that is people trying to make sense of this all. But like, there are people who have been doing the work and they're the ones who need our support and like I keep seeing people that are doing oh for my birthday fundraiser this year please give money to Planned Parenthood they I promise you they're getting a lot of money help the people in your community find the people that are doing the work in your community just it sucks and it's scary and it's sad and I'm sorry that we're going through this and I don't have all the answers I don't have a magic quippy tagline that I can put on a t-shirt and make it all feel better. That's not the world that we're in right now. But we do have movies to watch that can help us navigate those feelings when we don't know what to do with them and they can give us that outlet to get out how we're feeling without being harmful to people in our community, without lashing out at somebody on social media because there are people on the other sides of those screen names. And I'm just so fucking thankful that we have this show to, like, have these conversations and get these feelings out and deal with all of this because, I don't know, like, movies have always been that for me. They've always been the source in which I can figure out how I'm feeling and what I want to do with those feelings and... Obviously, like, I'm doing my own work in my community. I'm not going to laundry list it and, you know, pat myself on the back because nobody needs that. But I'm just so frustrated at, like, watching people just do nothing and, like, give up. And I know how easy it is to feel like you just want to give up. And I know that it sucks and it's hard, but, like, we can't roll over and die right now. We We can't do that. Because they are coming for other things next. We know that. They've they've laid out their their game plan and people are still acting surprised. Fucking why are you surprised? <laughs> this country is shit. We're recording this on fucking 4th of July. It's a bullshit day. God, I really didn't want to cry this episode. I thought I was going to be like tough bad bitch, but I... You almost made it. 
Oh, I was so close. <laughs> but, like, I don't know what to do with how I feel. I don't know what to do with it. I don't... I hate feeling helpless, you know? Because yeah. I don't want to feel helpless. and No one does. I think in 20 minutes, when we're done recording and you've had a little time, it's going to suck. Mm-hmm. But I think you're going to feel better because you screamed about it. You cried about it. We're going to go to a beach birthday party for a dog later. It's going to be so great. Happy birthday, Rogers. Exactly. So I think this will be a good catharsis for you this episode. And hopefully it is for anybody who's listening. Uh, hopefully you echo our, our feelings or at least most of them. Yeah, if We're, you're uh, if you're not pro-choice and you're listening to this podcast, don't. Yeah, it was just like I don't. I don't know, want you I don't here. Know to tell you then, just like I don't fucking want. I'm you not here. even gonna say like Oops, this is not sorry. a safe space for you. Bye. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you you want you want to take this episode on home? Yeah, sure. I'm pregnant. Asking you to the prom. Yes, no, maybe buy a ticket. What you got? <laughs> you know, most people take a limo to prom. We're taking it to an abortion clinic. <laughs> God, it's such a good line. It's a great line. <laughs> um, it's a yes. It's, it's This is just a really good movie that didn't realize, and maybe they did, uh, they didn't know how quite how poignant it was going to end up being mm-hmm. within two years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably more underseen than it should be. Uh, it's a very good road trip movie. And hopefully we've channeled the correct energy for it, which is crushing depression and seriousness, but also some fun because spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Yeah, amen to that. So, friends, as always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at This Ends at Prom. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at BJ Colangelo. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Velocitraptor, Velocit underscore trap underscore tour. And as always, humongous thank you to the Sonderbombs for allowing us to use Title as our theme song. Harmony, what cool indie band do you want people to check out this week inspired by Unpregnant? It feels a little weird to plug any indie band this week, but every road trip needs a soundtrack, and the one I'm plugging is an EP called No Fun by <laughs> Diva Bleach. Diva Bleach is such a great name for a band, too. It's a great name. Um, I played a little bit of them for you before we started recording the episode. It's very, like, a power pop-driven rock. Uh, a lot mm-hmm. of DIY bands these days are referring to this specific sound as a Radio Disney rock. Which, it that's perfect. It's yes. a great description. And Radio Disney in the sound, not in its content. Yes. No, this has got a lot more feelings, a lot more oomph than that. Um, but this EP is mostly made up of singles that have been getting released over the last year. Uh, my favorites include White Noise, Eggshells, and Circles, but it's only six songs, so like all of them are bangers. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, give, give them a listen next time you go on a road trip, or next time you're stuck in traffic on your commute to your job, or just mm-hmm. whenever. Or just when you're hanging around your house. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, good, some, they're some good stuff. All right, friends. Well, that takes us out on Unpregnant. Thank you, as always, for listening. Please look out in your communities for the people that are doing the work. Please support them. We need it now more than ever. And as always, save that last dance for us. Okay, bye. Bye.
Let's keep going. What? I'm kidding! I'm doing a Thelma and Louise thing! We're not driving off a cliff! This episode was brought to you by Pod People Productions. To find more episodes of this show and others, please visit podpeople.me.